Hola mi gente. What up my people? My name is Pastor Rich Colon. I'm the lead pastor here at Santos Church, broadcasting to you live from Southwest Detroit, Michigan. Wherever you're listening from, I'm glad that you are listening. This podcast is meant to do one of two things, and that is either bring you our message content or it's content that we thought would enrich our message content. We'll have more information at the end of this episode on how you can get connected with us either in person, online, or on social media. But for now, thanks for listening to this podcast. Gracias para escuchando este podcast. And let's get into it. Vamos. All right, so this week we find ourselves in the final week of our series on the book of James. Uh, We've covered chapters one through four thus far for the entire month of November. And so now, last weekend of November, last chapter of the book of James, how we have it formatted. Uh, So today we'll be in James chapter five. If you're following along in your Bible, whether it's uh, through the app or a hard copy or uh, you're listening to this on the podcast later, um, we are going to be in James chapter 5. So James, as we've seen over the past uh, four chapters, over the past three weeks, um, James is like a meat and potatoes book. You know what I mean? Like saying that to say it is just a very... uh, packed book. It's full of substance. It's it's not a lot of fluff. It's just content, 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 straightforward application. It's just real, right? And so over the past several weeks, we've heard this resounding sentiment from James, uh, which is this, your faith has to inform your actions. It's imperative that your faith leads you to action because a direct quote from the book of James is, because faith without works is dead. So we've created the punchline for this series on the book of James. We we said the book of James, right, in our rollout, book of James, don't just talk about it, be about it. In other words, we we need you uh, to share your stories and to testify, testify and to share your faith. That's why we said don't just talk about it because we do need you to talk about it. In scripture, it talks all about, you know, uh, us sharing our faith and us ready to give an account of our faith and that that people come to faith by hearing and how will they hear if we don't tell them, right? But as we've said in previous weeks, our actions validate our words, right? Our actions validate our words. So in other words, our actions don't give us some sort of like moral high ground over everybody else to lord it over everybody else that we're a better person than the next person or whatever. Our our actions bring validity to our testimony, to our words. So people hear a strong faith when we talk, but people see a strong faith, the substance of a strong faith lived out. So throughout the course of the series, we see James laying out the particular need for us to focus on a handful of areas. So those areas that we've seen so far are um, our actions during trials and triumphs. So not just when life is normal status quo or when life is like really good, but our actions in both the good, the normal and the bad, right? The trial and the triumph and the, the regular ordinary everyday stuff. Our actions in those times are very telling of where our faith is at. Uh, another way is uh, our preferential treatment of others. If we treat people like opportunities instead of like people made in the image of God, your preferential treatment of others. Um, the, uh, the other ways are the way that you speak and relate to others, 
and the way that we view our finances. Yes, even our finances. Okay, so uh, and and I want to I want to add a distinction to one of these real quick before we move on. Preferential treatment over others. In that week that we actually talked about our treatment of others, James unpacks quite a bit. Um, in the way of, do we give preferential treatment to people who look or seem important or people who seem like they could give us a better opportunity uh, to succeed in the areas that we might have an underlying motive, uh, an ulterior motive, or uh, do we give the preferential treatment to people who need to be served where there's nothing in it for us? Because scripture actually says we should give preferential treatment to people, but it's not for us to get ahead or because they are an opportunity uh for us, we give preferential treatment to people who need to be loved and need to be served. So preferential treatment is not a bad thing, but who are we giving the preferential treatment to? Just want to make that distinction uh, before we move on. So today, James is adding right at the end of this letter to the church, of which he is one of the pastors, he adds another layer to this letter, another kind of element to those things that we just listed off. And it's, and it's a little bit more of a directive than what we just mentioned. The other things are kind of areas where we can look to see our faith uh, come through, our faith shown in our actions. Um, another, The way that James ends this book is a bit more of a directive uh, for us, something that we can take away and directly apply this faith to, along with those other things. And so, um, that is the thing that James touches on, which you will hear when I read it directly from Scripture. But just to lay it out for you, James brings in another element, which is that we are to be playing an intentional role in helping to restore the faith of other people, people who may have never had faith in Jesus before or people who had it and have wandered off, okay? So special emphasis on those topics, those elements as we finish in the book of James today. That is all my backstory for you. So if you've uh, been here before, or if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that now I'll read the chapter. When we walk through a book series at Santos, we cover the chapter, then I give you some key verses, and then I'll give you a takeaway from those verses. So I'm going to go ahead and read James chapter five now, if you're following along. I'm reading out of the NLT if you're wondering what translation that is. Uh, if you're in the house today, then you know we have those Streetlights Bibles. You can turn to page 357 in any of the Streetlights Bibles. That will uh, put you at James chapter 5. If you're just following along, James chapter 5, verse 1, where we're starting today. So here we go. Look here, you rich people. Weep and groan with anguish because of all the terrible troubles ahead of you. Your wealth is rotting away and your fine clothes are moth-eaten rags. Your gold and silver are corroded. The very wealth that you are counting on will eat away your flesh like fire. This corroded treasure you have hoarded will testify against you on the day of judgment. Listen, hear the cries of the field workers whom you have cheated of their pay. The cries of those who harvest your fields and have reached the ears of the Lord of heaven's armies. You've spent your years on earth in luxury, satisfying your every desire. You have fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed innocent people who do not resist you. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage. 
for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. For look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For instance, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him in the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. But most of all, my brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else. Just say a simple yes or no so that you will not sin and be condemned. Are any of you suffering hardships? Then you should pray. Are any of you happy? Then you should sing praises. Are any of you sick? Then you should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sin, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. That is how James ends this whole letter to the church in Jerusalem, by ending it on the note of restoring wandering believers. So let me touch real quick on these key verses for you, uh, and then we will uh, we'll, we'll get to the rest. So uh, key verses for you are chapters uh, are chapter five verses seven through eleven. Okay, so chapter 7 through 11 say, Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers and that whole passage. So you too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other. Instead, look, uh, or, or you will be judged because look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience, look, um, patience and suffering, look for the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. And then goes on to talk about Job. And so, um, that passage is a key passage because of this. In times of hardship, struggle, and difficulty, James is telling us, keep your head up and know that you are in good company. Look at the prophets. Look at look at farmers in the fit. Like he's he's making all these comparisons because he's saying your faith will 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 withstand. Right, your faith will help you withstand. You're in good company when you're going through struggle or hardship or difficulty if you just keep your head up and keep your focus on God. Our faith doesn't mean that we get things faster. Our faith preserves us when things take longer than we hope. So faith doesn't expedite a process for you. Faith will not cause something to happen quicker on your behalf. Instead, faith preserves you while you wait for your trial to come to an end or your struggle to come to an end. Uh, verse 12, most of all, brothers and sisters, never take an oath by heaven or earth or anything else, just a simple yes or no, right? So essentially what James is saying here is let your words and actions communicate integrity. Be about your word, right? This is another, like, don't just talk about it, be about it. Like, 
You shouldn't have to be like, yo, I swear my mama's sister's cousins, you know, whatever. Like you don't got to swear by heaven and earth or anything in between to make people believe you. You should be so full of integrity and people should know you for keeping your word that all you got to do is say a simple yes or no. And people know when you say it, you mean it. Be about integrity. Verses 19 through 20. Again, this is how James ends this letter. So all of that faith, it's essentially like he's saying, so all that faith for the past uh, several passages, right? Because when he wrote this, it was a letter. It wasn't broken into chapters, but these chapters uh, help us kind of put some, some framework to it and really see a lot of structure in this writing because there is a method and a strategy behind it, right? And so for the past several chapters that we've read, we've seen James really getting to the heart of having a real faith, an applicable faith, a faith that works, a faith that that drives us to action, right? Some tangible things happening in our real life because of what we really believe. And James is saying, if you really want to know where all of that can kind of come to a head for us, it's when we care for people who are lost or wandering in their faith. He ends this letter by saying, dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you, somebody that you know has wandered away from the truth and then is brought back, whoever brings that person back from wondering will save that person from death. That is big, right? And it could be twofold. It could be literal death, right? Because we know our faith when it is so real and so active, it gives us hope, right? It can sustain us in a legitimate way, like as far as our life, our vital state goes, right? But then also a spiritual death. You are saving them from dying spiritually. So you save that person from death and you've brought about the forgiveness of many sins. James is saying, how is your faith causing you are, are causing you to move and care about people who don't believe in Jesus. Our heart should be to see people experience Jesus so much so that we're willing to play an active role in reconciling them back to God. So in this moment, ask yourself, who are they? What are their names? Who do you know that needs to be brought back to faith? Who do you know that needs an experience with Jesus Christ? Take a moment, if you haven't, if you need to, to self-reflect on that. Who do you know? Maybe maybe pause this if you're listening to the podcast, if you're following along and just li- like, like list their names out. Shoot them a text message. Maybe you're sitting there and names are popping up in your mind. You just need to take out your phone and, and send them a text message right now. Who do you know? What is their name? What are their names? that need a fresh touch from Jesus, need to experience Jesus. Because James is saying, hey, if you got that real faith, then you have what it takes to help aid that person in experiencing Jesus once again. Throughout the course of this series, we've had a chance to see how action and belief go hand in hand. Faith in Jesus isn't only this emotional, philosophical journey Faith in Jesus requires us to take on new customs, to practice new policies, and to open our arms and our hands wider than we may be comfortable with. It's going to take you to, it's going to take some stretching. It's going to take you doing some things that are out of the box for you, doing some things that you wouldn't normally do. 
doing some things that aren't ordinary for you. That's what Jesus calls us to do. Because in our own flesh, we may not want to do those things. We still may not want to do those things, but the Holy Spirit in us, our faith drives us to action that says, yo, this may not be always what I want to do, but it's what God would have me do. So how can I open my arms wider? How can I open my hands more? How can I be more generous, more loving, more caring, more forgiving? See, this is controversial in the church today. People don't talk like it is, but really it's controversial if we get down to it. It it can make people uncomfortable, especially when you start talking about things like social justice and how do we push for reform for people who are marginalized? How do we care for those who are overlooked? How do we love people on the fringes? How do we really care and give preferential treatment to the ones that Jesus gives preferential treatment to? These are the things that are controversial in our church and our world today because these are the things that people refuse to do, albeit silently. They just become passive on these things. But that's why when we started this series, we've seen that James was talking about a church that was prone to wandering or drifting or faking it or flat out giving up because this is when it gets hard, but this is when it gets real. So we're we're full circle. We're back to that. If you were here for the first week, if you listened to the first week, then you know that we started with James in context, kind of talking to a church who was met with several temptations of their faith. You could give up, you could fake it, you could settle for shallow, or you could dive in head first to a real active faith. And here's why. Because today we're prone to wonder, to just kind of get in our own way and do our own things and Pursue what we desire, what our heart or our flesh desires. And it may not be what God wants for us, but it's what we want for us. That's wondering. We could drift. We could just kind of get lukewarm in our faith and stagnant in our faith. And just kind of before we know it, we're just kind of indifferent. That's drifting. We could fake it. We could really not be about it or want to be about it, but we have friends or loved ones who are, or we feel like we should be because we've always been, or we were raised in church or whatever. So we can just fake it. Or we could just flat out give up. We could just stop because it's too much. Oh, man, that's too much of a sacrifice for me. Or we've seen bad examples around us and we go, man, if that's what this is about, I don't want that. But James is saying, no, like when you take on this faith, really, you're stepping into a bold faith. You're stepping into an active faith, a faith that requires you. If if you want your faith to be alive, it requires you to do something about it to advocate for people, to love people, to serve people, to sacrifice, to give up your comfort, to give up your privilege, to give up your preference, and to hand it off to somebody else for the sake of them and God's kingdom. Because James is saying, and I would echo that today, we could settle for wandering, for drifting, for faking it, for giving up, but I would urge you not to, just like James would, because if we do decide to step into this kind of faith that James has been talking about, it would mean that we are daring to be the people that God knew we could be when he came for us. And it would mean that we would be the people that formed the church that God said would reach the world. 
people would get a chance to see Jesus and his church in its truest form. Literally, the church that God planned would reach the world. God said, man, this world needs me. This world needs love. This world needs light. This world needs Jesus. Now, how are we going to, now that Jesus has gone, right? When Jesus left and ascended back into heaven, how are we going to reach this world? The plan was people. The plan was the church, capital C Church. And when you and I step into this kind of faith and our faith comes alive individually and then we unite together as the church, people see the church in its truest form and that's how they experience Jesus through us. So for us today, as we wind down the book of James, the call is to have a real faith. The call is to have a tangible faith. The call is to not settle for surface level faith, but to go deep with God. That's the call. Because then we have a faith that we can lean on in our struggles. We have a faith that will sustain us in our hard times. We have a faith that will cause us to dance and sing and celebrate in our triumphs. And we know we serve a God who was with us in the good and the ugly and the bad. So that faith works more for us on our behalf. But then when we're there as people, we see a faith that becomes magnetic and it spreads to other people around us because they're seeing us live out such a vibrant and colorful faith of our own. And that was the plan all along. So today, as we end the book of James, my challenge to you would be that. Where, where are you at in your faith? And if you are feeling Jesus, feeling the pull of the Holy Spirit, say, man, let's, let's get after it. Let's go further together. Let's go deeper together. Let's, let me show you what I have for you. Let me, let me give you purpose back. Let me give you passion back. If you feel that, I pray that today you would answer that knocking. And I pray that we together would step into that kind of faith, we would be that kind of church that isn't satisfied or content with just the bare minimum, but that we would be a church that was characterized by our faith and stepping out in the authority that Jesus gave us to see things change in lives and communities, in systems, in the world that we live in every day in our jobs and our families, that this faith would be so real that we as people would be able to play a role. Like James says in 519 through 20, that we'd be able to play a role in restoring people back to their relationship with Jesus. Let me pray for you today. Dear God, as we wind down the book of James. We see that we're not let off the hook. We see that there's more still. We see that there's a greater call for us. We see that what you have for us is a real faith, a vibrant faith, but a, a faith that is not concerned with being comfortable. A faith that will cause us to grow, cause us to stretch, 
cause us to strain sometimes, but Jesus, if we would accept the invitation into that faith, you promised that you would be with us, that we would experience a faith that would hold us up in times of trial and that would cause us to rejoice and triumph. And Jesus, that we would have a faith that others would see that would impact the world around us and it would cause people to be restored in their faith, Jesus. Help us to do self-evaluation and self-inventory today. See where we are at in our faith. But then also, Jesus, help us to ask that question that we asked earlier. What is their name? What are the names of those people that we know that we can play an active role in restoring in their faith? Jesus, guide us, show us, help us not just talk about it, but help us to be about it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks again for tuning in to the Santos Church Podcast. We hope that you were blessed by what you heard today and that it moves you towards action and greater faith in Jesus. If you'd like to connect with us more, you can find us online at santoschurch.org. And that's also a great place to give if you'd like to contribute to the ministry and our mission here in Southwest Detroit. If you're on Instagram, you can connect with us at Santos Detroit or Facebook, and it's facebook.com slash Santos Church Detroit. If you find yourself in the Detroit area, we'd love to have you in person Sunday mornings at 11, 1953 Military Street. Either way, hablamos pronto. We'll talk to you soon.